is time for Around the 412 with Smitty and Tyler. Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I am Tyler. With me, as always, is my co-host, Smitty. You be sure to go follow us on all of our social medias at Around the 412 and go subscribe to our YouTube if you haven't already. While you're there or listening on the, some of the listening platforms, go check out some of the links that we have in the description of each of our shows. The one we're talking about first is the, also the pinned tweet, or I guess pinned post on X. Post. Um, yeah. go, go check that Z? out. It's our, Z? Z? Zeet. I don't I, I don't Zeet. know what we're calling them. I thought it, that there was a different name for them than post, but I could be wrong. I don't know. I'm going with post because it says repost whenever it's, it used to be retweet. Yeah. So, but anyway, if you go check that out, is the link to our GoFundMe um, for year six of Rocket Around the 412. Over the past five years, being able to raise over $25,000 to be able to help provide children the Christmas that Smitty and I never really had to worry about where it was coming from growing up. Um, so when it been able to help those out as well as last year, being able to partner with the East Rochester Salvation Army and adopt kids off of their angel tree to be able to provide Christmas for those children as well. And we're going to continue to do that this year as well. So go check that out. We're getting closer and closer to Christmas. It's, it's, it, we're already in October. It's weird. Yeah. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. going, the fall is going fast already. So go check that out, read about the mission and please share the mission if, if nothing else, um, because we want to get as many people to be able to see that as possible so we can get as many eyes on it um also we can check out the uh everything custom design links we've got an etsy link and a facebook link it's october now we've been talking about getting customized trick-or-treat bags you can hit up our friend Haley wagner and she can customize you a trick-or-treat bag for your kid or yourself i'm not going to judge how old you are we don't know we might have 80 year olds listening to the show um you can also get some t-shirts you can get some kitchen aprons but one thing you can't get is what smitty has on his head right now that sick old hat you can't get that. Mm-hmm. So if you want a hat, don't go to her. But if you want a sick trick-or-treat bag, hit up Paleo Agner on everything custom designs. Yep, absolutely. I do want to mention um, one thing with the Rocker on the 412 as well. Kaylee just te- – I was texting with Kaylee yesterday. Yesterday actually marks one year since we lost Dalton. So uh, she was. I was texting her about that and just saying I was thinking about her and, and Isla. And uh, she had recently just gotten in contact with Mary Kay, who's the person that runs the stuff over there with the Salvation Army. So that stuff's really going to ra- be ramping up this month. I told her, like, you know, two months out, this is typically when I really like to start, um, like, getting on the fundraising aspect of things other than just saying it, you know, like constantly posting about it, putting the word out there, as well mm-hmm. as starting to get some of the prizes. So we mentioned, like, Tyler always gets the Penguin tickets. I'm definitely going to get an Eric Carlson jersey because I feel like that's one of the, like, most – you know, buzzworthy worthy things that we've talked about recently Absolutely. and that's happened over the last few months. So I feel like that would be uh, definitely a gift that people would want. Um, other than that, like kind of open to suggestions because we, we're not going to get stuff if you guys don't want it. So like I know that we do a lot of autograph memorabilia. We want to incorporate some stuff from all three teams. But if you guys have any ideas for what prizes could be, heck, I, I mean, we like to keep it sports wise because we are a sports show. But like I'm not opposed to stuff that could be, you know, more towards not saying listen, not saying by any means that there aren't a ton of women that are sports fans, because we absolutely know there are the pro- there's a ton out there that know more than the two of us that are idiots. But if we can think of some different like types of baskets or something like that, um, that stuff could apply for like, you know, I mean, I don't drink anymore. Tyler doesn't drink, but if you know, like putting together like a liquor basket or something like that as well, I know that those go over well. So any ideas that you guys have for prizes, drop them in the comments down below or just reach out to us. Now I'm just going on a 
spiel at this point. It's probably because I don't want to talk about the Steelers. I mean, so we're we four minutes in and we've neglected the topic. <laughs> um, even though this we're is the Steelers the show. It is we the Steelers show. For those, those of you that are tuning in, obviously you know yeah. that because you clicked on it. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're four minutes into the show. We haven't even mentioned once that this is a Steelers show or that the Steelers played a game or yeah, yeah any of that. Because mainly, like you said, we don't want to talk about that. It. it was an absolute atrocity what we watched on Sunday. Yeah, they fought to the Houston Texans 30-6 to in Houston at NRG Stadium. I mean, uh, everything that we said like needed to have happen. Obviously, like we do our three keys to the games for the offense and defense. Throw those out the window, like the opposite of each one of those things happened. Um, I said that this was going to be the week the offense scored 30 points. The defense gave up 30 points. I mean, everything that like we said... It was the complete opposite of. Um, I don't. Let's. Let, I think there's so many things that obviously, when you have a game like this, went wrong. Let's start at the top. Uh, I just thought they got out coached. You know, like outclassed a ton, mopped the floor with by a first year head coaching staff with D'Amico Ryan's and Bobby Slowick. I just thought they had their way. I mean, their opening script was awesome. I thought they came out and just had every possible answer. Uh, and the Steelers had no answers for what they were throwing at them. So a great script to open things up with Bobby Slowick, CJ Stroud, man. How impressive has he been? I mean, Bobby Slowick, I think, has done a great job of understanding what they have from a personnel standpoint. That was a you know third string offensive line besides Shaq Mason, really. And uh, you know, to to never even have CJ Stroud be uncomfortable. Um, I thought it's just a testament to the game plan that they had in place for this one. And I'll be honest, like, I, I think that there were definitely moments where like individual players, like I didn't think that they tackled well at all in this game. Um, but I, I really felt like more than the individual players, it was just about the defensive game plan more than anything else that let the Steelers down in this one. I don't know that like a, a bunch of guys had like really bad games. I just thought the game plan sucked and the, and the Texans had every answer for it. I think defensively, you're right. I mean, looking at the defense as a whole, like, sure, there's like one-off plays that you can call out a, a specific player, but that happens every single game, whether where there's a single player to where you can call them out. But overall, it was more of just a scheme issue more than anything, like what they were dialing up for the Texans' offense. The Texans had their number. It felt like every single drive. And, and it looked like not even they had to try to move the ball. It looked like they were doing it with ease. That's the real problem is, like, they were mm -hmm. just – moving the ball down the field, and it looked like they didn't even have to try to do it. So it's not like – you can't even say necessarily that, like, TJ had a bad game or or Cole Holcomb had a bad game or Minka had a bad game. Like, you can't say, like, a lot of these specific players had, like, an awful game to result in some of these plays. It was just, like, as a whole, they just didn't execute this. I mean, maybe they did execute the scheme well, but the scheme was what the problem was defensively. I, I don't know yeah. which one it was, whether they executed it well and it was just an awful scheme or they didn't execute what they were doing well. But, it, I mean, defensively, I, I feel like it's it's masked how bad the defense can be at times because of how much people are focused on the offense. But this was yeah. an awful defensive performance. There, there's no denying that. and There's no, no like getting around it either. This was a terrible defensive performance, and – it's it's kind of this is this sandwich is in between like two I feel like solid defensive performances against the Raiders and against the the Browns but then when you look at the grand scheme of things with for as a season as a whole and four games in you have those sandwiched in between the two defensive performances I don't know what this defense is like is this defense just really league average that can actually have a Browns game like they did. On, on that Monday night and, and and look like a top five defense 
but at the same time, they can look like they did on Sunday against the Texans and then the first game against the 49ers. They're sandwiching these these good performances as a whole in between these two awful performances. And I feel like that just gets overlooked a lot of the time because people are focused on Kenny Pickett, Matt Canada, and they're not looking at the team as a whole and basically saying because the offense is so bad, that's hurting the defense. While that could be true in, in specific games, I don't think that that was the case on this Sunday. I think right out of the gate, the defense looked terrible. Uh, yeah, I mean, they gave up an opening drive touchdown. There was a point in the second half. I mean, the first drive of the second half, the Texans went down and scored. Like, th- th- there was times where that can't be used as an excuse. You know, the offense having a three and out, putting the defense on the field. In totality, there's certainly more times than not that that can be the case. But, yeah, I, we've talked about that before. Like, it just always seems like this. every time that this defense is just god-awful, the offense is just so bad that it, like, no one wants to talk about the defensive side of the football because that is the side of the football where you've at least seen the highest of highs, like you're talking about, um, with, with good play in week two and week three. What I think it comes down to, uh, and there's a lot to unpack here with this, and I feel like I'm just going to end up going, on a tangent but i think what it is with this defense is we know that they're built through that pass rush if they don't have that pass rush like you're saying you're gonna have games like week one they had some pass rush in week one they were able to get the brock purdy zero sacks tj watt was able to get zero sacks alex highsmith got close like three times could have had three sacks he 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 i think definitely handily won his matchup against that left tackle just you know cj was getting rid of the ball quick but to that point if they're not taking the quarterback down, if they're not creating turnovers, <clears throat> that that's what they're built to do. They don't have, you know, players in the secondary that are going to cover for, you know, five plus seconds. Like that's not, they don't employ guys that are capable of doing that, that are at least on the field regularly. Now we're going to have a conversation in a little bit about like, you know, some rookies getting more playing time and stuff right now. But again, I'm somebody that has given probably a little bit more grace than others with Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson because I think they're playing within this defensive system and just doing what's been asked to them more than anything else. Uh, but, you know, again, while saying that there weren't like a bunch of individual defensive performances to call out, neither one of those guys were good on Sunday. I mean, definitely at the end of the game, too, like where Patrick Peterson was trying to keep up with Nico Collins. That was one of the most pathetic. Like, I mean, that was just sad to watch and try <laughs> to keep up with Nico Collins. I felt kind of bad. Like that last touchdown you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I felt bad for what I was watching, to be honest with you. The other thing that I really hate about this defense right now, and I don't know that a lot of people are talking about this as like a huge storyline is how they are limiting Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, by having him, by deploying him the way that they are, they're not allowing him to be the natural playmaker that he is. They're basically giving him one job every single week, neutralizing one part of something. And that's, he he is taking away whatever that might be, but you're completely taking away his ability to create splash plays within that defense by doing so. I mean, whether it's like in week uh, two against the Browns uh, like overall you know it worked what they did obviously because they got home so many times and created a bunch of turnovers even scoring two defensive turn touchdowns but like Minka Fitzpatrick not all that noticeable like it, it's still on a week-to-week basis you're not noticing Minka Fitzpatrick because they're giving him one assignment sticking that sticking it to uh, sticking to that and just again basically creating the same situation they had in 2021 where it's a guy at free safety racking up a bunch of tackles and not creating splash. Yeah, I think they not not that I need to. I think they need to like be in man all the time, but I think they need to do more of like a cover one 
thought process for a free safety. You just need to let him be the single high safety, let him be a true free safety. And when he's doing that, he takes away half the field. I mean, wh- whatever side he's covering, whatever, whatever look Minka has, the quarterbacks tend to not throw that way. We haven't really seen yeah. them do they're that. They're still not and, throwing and, and, it to wherever he's at. No, but 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 that's the thing. They're throwing it to where he's not, which which opens up a whole mess. Which is why we've had games. Every, I, I was fascinated by by Nick Farabaugh's tweet after the game that I, I like didn't realize that every single week because for some reason the only one I really thought about was Devonte Adams in Week Three, how he got his in that game. But then when I looked at like. Every single week, there's been a single receiver that has gone off in the secondary. Brandon Ayuk in week one, Amari Cooper in week two, Devontae Adams in week three, and then we saw what Nico what Collins did, Cooper, did on Sunday. What did Cooper have in Coop, week two? Cooper is the Cooper is the quote-unquote worst one of the four, and he had seven seven receptions for 90 yards. And that was with a bat. He almost didn't play. He wasn't supposed to play in that game. He had the back right. groin. Yeah. Right, and that's the worst one because in every single one – Ayuk and Devontae Adams each had two touchdowns. Ayuk had 129 yards. Adams had 172 yards. Nico Collins had six receptions for 116 yards and a touchdown in this game. I mean, they are still. I thought Collins had two. Did he have two? Or maybe I wonder. This, I wonder if he tweeted that. This might have been game during the game. Yeah, yeah, that might have been during the game. Okay, in that case, he had two. Uh, he he did have two seven receptions, 168 yards, two touchdowns. I was just say, Excuse I think me. he had that long touchdown. After yeah, that. Yep. that and so every single week, despite Minka being on the field, there's still there's somewhere on receiver is still getting theirs. And by getting theirs, I mean they're getting a full plateful of whatever they're getting. Oh yeah, and, Thanksgiving. And so they need to be able to to let Minka be a true free safety. Forget forget these like gadget game by game. Like you're going to fit in this mold. Like, let him be the true free safety and act absolutely eliminate half the field. Even if a wide receiver is still going to beat you on the other side, at least you know that you're shutting down half the field by doing that. Because quarterbacks, we've seen it. And, and like you said, like they're still not throwing to Minka. They're still scared to throw to that side. And and if you want more of the splash play ability, I think they need to go to, like I said, not necessarily being cover one and like play man the entire time, but like allow Minka to be a high safety and just basically roam the field and use his vision and use his eyes to be able to make plays. Yeah, well, I, if you think about you know the years where he's had a bunch of turnover production too, he is moving around. Like so, I I think that's the thing is you want to disguise it. You don't want teams to know where he's going to be on the field. Like you want him to be able to drop down into that robber spot where you know he had that pick six against Baker Mayfield going back a couple seasons. You want him to be able to line up in different spots and keep quarterback guessing. Sunday was a perfect example. I know we're we're praising C.J. Stroud, and I'm not saying it would have happened, but there's still so much that defenses can throw at him that he has not seen yet so many different looks and i feel like the steelers just didn't take advantage of any of that they didn't throw anything exotic at him they didn't give him any types of different looks they they, they didn't even try to do anything different that it's this guy has seen if i'm being completely honest just the the defensive play calling just seemed like it was a very vanilla defense um they they, they didn't like throw any stunts at stroud they didn't show and throw any different coverages that i, I felt like could confuse a rookie quarterback. It just seemed like it was a very simplified defense that was easy for a rookie quarterback to pick apart. I'm not saying he completed all of his passes. I mean, he was, I think he was closer to 50% uh, on his completion percentage, but as far as like his actual like yardage goes, I mean, he was still picking apart the, the Steelers secondary and the Steelers defense as a whole. And like we said, like when you're not getting to the quarterback, that makes it even harder on 
that secondary. We talked about last week after that Raiders game that like you have to give uh, give like Levi Wallace's credit for what he was doing. Not necessarily credit for like how good he was, but just like him following basically what he was supposed to do, giving that cushion. And basically the Steelers are paying a bend don't break until the front seven can get home on the quarterback. And we have seen what happens when you do not get home on the quarterback. When you get zero sacks and all the pressures that you have don't don't get home on him. Like you said, Highsmith got home like two or three times, like almost getting to the quarterback, but Stroud got it out. He was able to get it away. And I think that's, I mean, credit to Stroud for like having that that pocket awareness to to know yeah. when pressure's coming on him. But still, like the Steelers defense, when it cannot get to the quarterback or make a quarterback un- feel uncomfortable, it does not perform well. So I feel like we need to start talking and people need to start talking about how this defense as a whole is really performing at a mediocre level overall. You, you can't just look at that Browns game and look at what could be you have to look at what is, and the two good performances are sandwiched between two really bad ones. Yeah, I mean, if you're playing an offense that's going to be able to get the ball out quick, I this is they're going to get picked apart more weeks than not. I think. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about Matt Canada, and we're about to talk about the offense. But I mean, Terrell Austin's defense, I think, deserves a ton of criticism for for where they sit. Where they sit is still two and two with a chance to be in first place after Sunday. But this was was one of those losses. I don't know if you agree with me can't speak for anybody besides myself where uh it just felt like more than just a loss like one in the loss column like it's one of those ones where it sits with you the rest of the day like this is a one o'clock game so it sits with you the rest of the day night maybe lose some sleep over you wake up the next day maybe feeling even worse the sky's falling down you're demanding change we said we heard that there was going to be some change and we'll talk about that later on too uh, like did this to you feel like more than them just losing a football game like it almost felt like the world was getting crashing underneath us to me this really felt like we are bad <laughs> and i know that probably sounds very very simple but it, it it is more or less like whenever i see people say and i actually think you might have tweeted something about this or someone did whenever i see people say like oh this the steelers need to stop playing down to the competition uh, yeah and i'm just like they're That's assuming they're down, a good team. Yeah, they're, yeah <laughs> they're not playing down to the competition. They're playing with the competition that they're against because the Steelers, I feel like, aren't that good of a team. And I, I will 100% say I, I bought into the preseason Kool-Aid. I bought into the hype. I I predicted the Steelers to go 12-5, and five, win the division. And, it, and don't get me wrong. Like, obviously, there are 13 weeks to the season left. A lot can happen in the next three mm-hmm. and a half months. But – as of right now, I view this team and I'm like, they're a pretty mo- mediocre football program. Okay. I, I think that when you look at the performance they had on Sunday, it really exposed the the problems that the team has and put it to me on a grand scheme of things is like, if the Texans can do this, then what can any other team? Because what are the expectations that we had for the Texans? I feel like the Texans, especially among Steeler fans, probably going into this game, were a little underrated. I think defensively they were underrated. And I actually mentioned yeah, I that actually, on, our, on our show. Um, I actually said they were to be a little bit better than I, I had them win in six games, which is still like, I feel like kind of in the, the wheelhouse. But like in that, it was because it was in that division. I was like, I, I don't think the mm-hmm. Titans are going to be that good. They'll probably split with the Colts. They're at least going to split with the Jags. They beat the Jags right. once already. So, well, and that's yeah. the problem. If you had them winning six games and that's like above what's expected, then what mm-hmm. are we supposed to think of the Steelers? Whenever you, <laughs> a team that is supposed to win six games or like you predicted win six games wins mm-hmm. thirty to six, 
Like it, it, it made me feel like not necessarily how I've like, reacted in years past where I'm like, all right, let's just tank. But it's just like, we might just be very mediocre and the expectations probably should be more rationalized to, to or adjusted to that mentality. Like the, the Steelers just might be a very average football team. I'm not even going to say above mm-hmm. average. Yeah, it, it might be. We thought we were going to take a step forward this year. And you said about buying into the preseason. I mean, I think it was a continuation, though. I mean, you look at last year, seven and two down the stretch last year, what they showed within those two minute drills. You were very like we were very far from being the only two people to buy into that, like not even just within Pittsburgh. If you looked at a national level, a lot of people were picking them um, to be one of the teams to really rise up this year. So I, I can't fault anybody that did. Um so I, but I think when you're looking at where this this team is at right now, I I tend to opinions have to be fluid too. Like you know that mm-hmm. was our opinion before the season. Here we are now. I still think because of the highs that you are going to get defensively some weeks, seemingly especially when they're at home. And here's the thing too. And I'm like having a conversation with myself now because this thought just popped in my mind. I think that a lot of what we saw Sunday is them just being, they're not built to play from behind. I mean, their offensive coordinator said as much. Okay. Um, But if they get out ahead of that game and are able to play their game, I'm not saying that they win that game, but like there was a point in that game where it could have been a one possession, you know, that fourth and one where they don't convert and Kenny gets hurt. They had the chance to make it a one possession game on that drive. Now things got out of hand after that point, but they were in that football game for a little bit. I just, I think that, more weeks than not, as long as they are like staying afloat, they're not going to score a bunch of points ever. But as long as the defense isn't giving up 30, they're going to be in most games. And I think they're going to win a decent bit. Like I'm still looking at this team saying they could still, you know, be in the mix for a wild card spot, win eight, nine yeah. games or something this year. Well, and, and that's, that's the thing too, is like whenever I w- have watched this team and when I think about the season as a whole um, through four games, I, I get in am getting eerily familiar feelings to what I felt like during 2019. Whereas like the defense is going to be good enough to keep you in most of the games that you're going to play. And your offense is you're, you're going to pray that they score enough points to win the game. And mm-hmm. the only difference between 2019 and 2023, which makes it a little more disappointing is that in 2019, we were juggling between oh, house Rudolph money. and yeah, Duck Hodges. Like you, you, you had no reason to go 500 in that season. You had no reason to win, no reason to win eight games, especially with who you had at quarterback, what the what the offense looked like. The defense just won in spite of the offense. Then the difference is you have a first round pick as your quarterback, um, and he's not performing to the level that fans had hoped. He hadn't taken the jump that fans had hoped. The offense as a whole haven't taken the, the jump that that uh, the fans have hoped and the team probably hopes as well. Canada has not improved as a play caller from what we've seen. Uh, the, 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 the circumstances are so different from what they were in 2019 that even though this season feels eerily familiar to what it felt like then, it just feels like even bigger disappointment because – like you said, 2019, they had no reason going 500. And in 2023, they have no excuses, I feel like, to go, to not go. Like, well, you can't go 500 anymore. Or I guess you technically can. Steelers did it. Mm, yeah. um, they, they went 8-1. Eight, eight but y- you know what I'm saying. Like, the, the, the excuses are practically gone for 
a season like that, like if you if you if you end up going like, I don't know, six and eleven, or does that math check out? Yeah, seventeen yeah. games is still throwing me off. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. If if you end up going something like that, not I'm not saying the Steelers are going to, but like I just feel like that would have been such a massive disappointment compared to if the Steelers in 2019 had gone like five and uh, five and yeah. what I'm uh, math five and eleven. Dude, 16, yeah. 17 games completely throws me off having to think between seasons like that. But yeah, it's 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 more or less that the Steelers right now are in my mind just average. They can play out of being average, but their their defense is gonna keep them games, their offense, you're gonna hope they score enough to win. And I I have to limit my expectations from from what I had before week one. Yeah, you have to feel like this is like the floor of what they are as a football team, though, because like the, the defense is going to play better most weeks than what we saw on Sunday. And the offense is going to be at least that, if not better, hopefully, at least marginally. Yeah. So let's talk about the offense um, in this game. And and that's not including again. I don't want to talk about the injuries or anything just yet, but um, how bad they've been, uh, not just as a whole, but I think like even more magnified out of the gate and their opening strips obviously suck, which is really concerning because like those are the plays that you are basically handpicking during the week. All right, here's our first 10 offensive plays. If you can't move the ball with what are considered your favorite plays, which you feel like are your best plays to open a game, you're not moving the ball at any point during that game. They have turned it over 15 times in the first quarter since 2021. They've scored 13 touchdowns in the first quarter since 2021. I mean, what what are you supposed to say? And, and I don't want to like make it only about Canada, but when you no, include, I mean, it's not. But, but he's but but, the guy but when it. you still include the stats of since twenty twenty one, only team that hasn't had a four hundred yard game. Everyone else has a minimum of four. Um, and and then I saw and the average and, is like and, nine, and the average is like nine. They also when's the last time they scored like over like like when's the last time they scored like over thirty two points. Or thirty-five points. Oh, thirty-two. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they scored thirty. They scored third, at least thirty at one point last year for sure. But it might. That's why. I said, that's why I said over yeah. thirty-two because I feel like they scored thirty once last year. But yeah. like, it, it's been so bad. And and I don't know. Uh, granted, I have no idea if Stephen A is accurate on this. But did I? <laughs> I don't know. If that's the part. Did I see? Can you much. can you val- validate whether this is accurate or not? Now, granted, I know that the, like the field goals. I guess they started in Texans territory when they got those field goals. But Stephen A said that they didn't cross the 50. Oh, yeah. No, that wasn't accurate. I heard him okay. say that. I think I okay. think that was going back to the game against the Browns, to be honest. Like they didn't cross they didn't get into beyond the 30 against the Browns. I, I, I think that was an old stat that was pulled up or okay. something. That was not at all accurate. I mean, I it came out of Stephen A, so I wasn't sure. I mean, the play no, that I, got whenever, hurt on fourth and one was at like the 30. That's true. Like that. So that's yeah. true. Well, and that's why I was like, I know at least one of the field goals they started because of a bad punt in Texans territory. Yeah. I don't know if that's what he was talking about, but yeah, this it, it has been bad. I mean, you are not setting yourself up for success if if your best play calls, like you said, fifteen turnovers in the first quarter since twenty twenty one, thirteen scores. That is bad, and you can't put it all on Canada. But I mean. You can put a lot of it on Canada and a, and a lot of the problems on Sunday and th- throughout this season 
you could still put on Canada. I just feel like there's there's a ton of blame to go around for this offense. I mean, it, it is a it is endless for how much blame we could put around for for this season as a whole on on the offensive side of the football. Uh, they what's funny is the last two times they've cracked thirty, they've lost. They scored thirty against the Bengals last year at home, lost that game. They scored thirty seven in L.A. in a loss in twenty twenty one. Um, in 2020, they scored 38 against Cleveland in week six, 36 against Cincinnati in week 10. Uh, and those were the only two times they cracked 30 in 2000. So they, they've cracked 30 points four times in three years. And actually no, three wow. plus because this year's included. Like, and, yeah. and when you look at how many, and I'm not saying you need, you necessarily need an offensive coach to win in the NFL nowadays. But you look at how offensive the league as a whole has gotten, and you look yeah. at like the teams that are making the playoffs and going to the Super Bowl, like they are very offensive. I mean, th- not that they don't have uh, a good defense as well. They all those teams pretty much have at least an av- league average defense. But in today's NFL, I mean, you need to be able to score thirty points. I feel like fairly easily. Like if and it's almost turned into college in that sense, where it's like you need to be able to keep up in some of these games because if your opponent is going to get you into a shootout, like on Sunday, obviously it was close for, I feel like a better, better majority of the game and the Texans pulled away as the game went on. But if the Steelers are able to score more or score more with ease, then that changes the whole aspect of the game. It changes the whole aspect of a lot of these games, but like total yardage, the Texans had 451, the Steelers had 225. That's pathetic. Yeah. Um, man, I, I think, uh, for me to that point about the coaching, like being an offensive mind, this is a take that I have. I'm not sure how you're going to feel about it. I'm not sure how anybody else is going to feel about it. I sent this text to somebody on Sunday, like right after the game when I was talking about it, because a lot of people, even that have been the strongest Tomlin supporters are wearing thin, um, I said, I don't necessarily think that every offensive coaching hire or every coaching hire at this point, head coaching hire needs to be an offensive mind. But what I will say is if you have a quarterback that is not yet proven in this league, then I think it needs to be. If you are still in the process of finding out if this is a guy or developing a young quarterback or you're a team that is in the like going to be taking a quarterback in the next draft, like that's kind of already in place. Like, you know, when a team is in that spot, then mm-hmm. I think it needs to be an offensive hire for sure. I think that you can win with a defensive minded head coach, but man, he better have a, the likes of a, a Ben Johnson in Detroit or something like that as his offensive coordinator to pair with that. Um, I don't think that you can win with Mike Tomlin as your head coach, pairing that with the offensive mind of Matt Canada. I just, I don't think that that's enough. I don't think that that wins in today's NFL. I don't think so either. Um, and, and Tomlin has his fair share of criticism and blame too. It, it, it goes to the top on this one. Um, he, he's the one in charge of the entire team. He's the one that put the Matt Canada in, in the position that he's in. So he's not, he's not shy of blame either. To a degree. I, to a degree. <laughs> it, Listen, did that I, tweet I, I actually resurfaced that... today. Did you see that? No. About, about Art, Art Rooney the second is the one that like, hired Matt Canada he he ran it past Tomlin and Tomlin said the only thing he knew about him was he was coming from Pitt down the hallway now once he's in the organization that's that's the thing as a quarterback's coach 
Yeah, well, that that's what, but once he's in the organization, that's where it gets kind of like hairy in terms of how the process works because I've heard a few different things, but to my knowledge, basically, is there's a short list, and it's pretty much always going to be internal hires. So it had to be Matt Canada when Randy Feekner walked out the door, and then at that point, people can say, you know, why is he still on Tomlin's staff? Tomlin should have the ability to to cut the cord with him. Say, like, you know, this past offseason, like we were calling for, uh, he can't make that decision. He's not the one that signs the checks. If Rooney doesn't want to pay Matt Canada to not coach plus pay somebody else to be a coordinator. Tomlin's hands are kind of tied on that. So, I, I mean, there's a little bit of maybe varying opinions on how the process works, but I, Tomlin definitely wasn't the one that brought him into the organization and it's not his call to get rid of him from the organization. That's all I know. Yeah. But I, I wondered how much of, and I understand, like, and I think this is a big fault. And I don't know if that's that's a fault of the quote unquote Steelers' way or just how they operate, but they need to quit only looking at internal hires when they when they bring it's, in it's guys money. to it's to money. roles like defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator. I understand that it's money, but yeah. and, and and I'm and not I'm not a, coming from an organization that only has the the logo on one side of the helmet because they didn't want to pay for the other side of the helmet. I I understand that they're cheap, but you, if you want to improve your football team, you need to look outside of your organization. If if they move on from Canada this season, which I feel like you and I and many others expect them to do, because they don't have to re-sign him, that he can he can just move on. If if they move on from him, who mm-hmm. internally, if this is the case, is going to take his spot? <laughs> Nobody. Yeah, I mean, they have they have two guys that have called plays at some level before on the staff right now. Um, Mike Sullivan, obviously, who's the quarterback coach, uh, and who was the guy that they just brought in this year? Um, ben Thomas as an offensive assistant. But this, to me, you have to think that I, I would like to think that the organization isn't so close minded that they're. They're not seeing and, and hearing the outside noise. I mean, I I don't agree with, but it doesn't surprise me that Matt Canada is still here. I will be even more livid if we let Matt Canada walk and then it's another internal hire from either Mike Sullivan or Glenn Thomas. Like that would make me more mad than Matt Canada being here right now, as if it's one of those two guys just being promoted. What about Matt Canada staying? <laughs> I mean, to me, that's that I'm mad now. I'm mad because you put that in my mind. Like that wasn't even an option for me. I but if if you if you want to improve your team, you want to improve this offense, you got to look outside your organization. There's nobody that is a clear cut candidate to be your OC next There's year. Not. The thing is, I I almost feel like if there was somebody internally for them to hand those keys to, they might have moved on from Canada at this point. I think they realize there's not another internal option. And, and that's why, like, I look at, like, defensively, and I understand he was only here for one season, but, like, say for some odd reason, the defense last year wanted to move on from Terrell Austin. Brian Flores was right there to be your defense yeah. coordinator. Yeah. And so they, had, that. They, they have had, they at least had somebody on the defensive side of the ball where if, for some odd reason they moved on from Terrell Austin only after one year, then they had somebody. Offensively, you have absolutely nobody. You have a better chance. I mean, it, it is better for the organization probably to go 
to actually no, never mind. I'm not even gonna say what I was gonna say. I was gonna say it's better for the organization to go to Pitt and grab their offensive coordinator, but no, I'm pretty sure that is not better for the organization. But it is something that the Steelers' way needs to go away in order to make the team better, at least in this circumstance. You need to get get rid of the status quo on how you handle things for, from an organizational standpoint and hire someone out of the organization. Otherwise, how am I ex- expecting that this st- offense is going to be better? Because what am I supposed to think if it's a guy like Mike Sullivan? He was in the offense with Matt Canada. How am I going to think that it's going to be different right away when all he's ran the past several seasons is a Matt Canada offense? Yeah. And that's how he's been training his quarterbacks to run in this offense. Like, how, why would I think it's going to be any different? Yeah. Speaking of uh, his quarterback, Kenny Pickett, who did not look good on Sunday and then got himself hurt. And I say got himself hurt because that sack was totally on him. Uh, I think he got, sa- he got sacked three times in this game. All three were credited to him, the offensive line. I'm not saying that the offensive line was necessarily like really good in this game by any means. Um, but, Teddy was running himself into sacks, rolled out for no reason from the pocket, goes to where Broderick Jones has his guy blocked, but Kenny rolls out to the opposite shoulder of Broderick Jones, and he can't block him at that point, Um, goes down awkwardly and gets hurt in this game. Knee bruise. uh, He's actually going to practice at the time of recording this tomorrow, so Wednesday we'll see what capacity, how that looks, how they divvy up the reps and such. But uh, I want to get your take on this. I would start Mitch in this game on Sunday against the Ravens for a few reasons. One, I think he's going to play better than what we've seen from Kenny recently. And uh, you have a chance on Sunday to go into first place. I know that people might have a bad taste in their mouth. Three interception game last year for Mitch uh, against the Ravens at Akershore. But, I mean, that was the game actually last year where they were moving the ball pretty well. And it was just unfortunate that he was throwing those untimely interceptions and turning the football over. Um, but that, and also they get the buy the following week. So I'm of the mindset, give Kenny the two weeks as opposed to, you know, very limited time to get back out there. Don't throw him to the wolves against the Ravens defense that, you know, regardless of the players that it has on it, we know is always going to come to play, especially against Pittsburgh. So, uh, I would be starting Mitch on Sunday, even if Kenny was in the, had the ability to go, regardless of if it's not hundred percent, if he could go on Sunday, still wouldn't play him. I agree with you. Um, I think that if you have an 80 to 85% Kenny Pickett, I don't even know if it's going to be that high at 85. Um, I understand he had a, has a bone bruise and immediately, any, anytime I see someone has a bone bruise, I think of uh, Herb Brooks in Miracle. He got a bad <laughs> bruise. Uh, but I, 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 I think that it's better to play Mitch Trubisky because the sad part is how much down, like how much difference are we going to have? I think he's going to be I, better. I think we're going to have the best game from a quarterback that we've had in this game on Sunday. It's hard for me to argue with you because Kenny. <laughs> like, what's the? So I mean, right now it's the Raiders points. game. Right now, it's because game. like speaking of this Texans game specifically, Kenny is the reason. Like you said, he's the reason he got sacked. Kenny's biggest fault this season has not been his accuracy because accuracy because that's improved. I wouldn't even say it's necessarily his passing decision making. I think his biggest fault is his pocket presence, his pocket awareness, and him thinking pressure is there when it is clearly not. Like he creates pressure for himself, which is why he ran into a sack that got him injured. 
If, if we're just being completely honest, no matter what you think of the play call or not, that's what absolutely happened on that play. He created the pressure in his head, and I don't know if that's a lack of trust in his offensive line, he, if he thinks he needs to bail early or what, but that's just something that Kenny needs to get over because he's cl- like clearing out these clean pockets or clean-ish pockets more than he needs to or, or quicker than he needs to. So maybe you don't get that from Mitch. Maybe you get a clear cut. Like It's just it's just a clean, clean slate for Mitch Trubisky, and I, I feel like, honestly, from what we've seen, it can't get worse offensively so if anything it could get better and maybe it's something that that Mitch needed to be able to to sit the majority of last season and then the first few games in this offseason maybe he's learned more um what to where he can perform and he doesn't have to throw for 300 plus yards he just basically needs to facilitate facilitate the football better than Kenny has through four games I mean, look at look at last year once he got pulled the teams that he came back into Tampa Bay was really good in that game where he had to come in. Arguably, him and Chase Claypool were the reason they won that game offensively with what those two did. Uh, that Ravens game, like I said, they were moving the ball, in my opinion. I really thought, like, okay, the three turnovers, obviously not good, but outside of that, between the 20s, they were moving the ball pretty well. And then the Carolina game, which uh, he didn't throw a touchdown, he ran for one, and I thought that you know the ex- the offense was executed really well. They That was the game they opened up 21 plays scoring drive in that game. Uh, last year so I think his best football came when he knew that you know Kenny wasn't breathing down his neck when you actually had that so again in this situation that might not necessarily be the case say Kenny is cleared and like services the backup on Sunday maybe it is a little bit different scenario but if Kenny can't go and you just have Mitch with Mason as his backup I think you're getting the best version of Mitch because of like I said, he's just able to kind of like realize I don't have a first round pick quarterback that clearly they want to be the guy breathing down my neck. I can just go out there and sling it. Yeah, I agree. And I, I don't think if, if Kenny is is not 100%, I wouldn't play him. You have the bye week the following week. I just think it's 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 too big so, of a but risk. Would you play him if he's 100%? If he's 100%, yeah, because I find it hard. I, yeah. I find hard excuses to not play him if he's healthy. Well, here's I, yeah. when someone asked me, Someone asked me before the season started, at what point would you pull Kenny if he's performing bad? And I said, you don't. Like, it it doesn't matter this year. In my opinion, it does not matter how bad Kenny performs in any game. You do not pull him. He's your first-round pick that you have to figure out if he's going to be your franchise guy. You're going to have to basically go through the growing pains with him as your quarterback in these games to figure that stuff out. Otherwise, how are you going to know whether you need to move on from Kenny Pickett or not. You you cannot yeah. go to Mitch Trubisky. It's kind of like what we talked about last year, but I feel like on a bigger scale, where if you would have started Kenny in game one, you would have a hard time selling going back to Mitch after game one, which is why starting Mitch last season first was the smarter move. This season, I feel like there is no, except for injury, there is no excuse for him to be pulled. You just need to suffer through it and play him all 17 games. Yeah, that's the other that's the other side of the argument is I mean, I, I put this out there. It's like in the short term, I don't think that you're losing anything, if at all, going from Kenny to Mitch. But what you are losing anytime that Kenny isn't on the field is valuable reps and finding out is this guy part of the solution? Or are we scrapping this and starting over at the position? Because I mean, especially going into I, I feel like this gets said every year, maybe except for 2022 when Kenny came out. But like 2024 doesn't look like a bad year to take a quarterback in the draft. So 
you know, hopefully we have a little bit more clarity by the time the season wraps up with where we are with the position. It'd be really great if we didn't have to take one because I don't feel like watching quarterbacks again, but uh, there's a lot of good ones that looks like coming out in the draft. So, yeah. And then I know what I've said in years past, but 2024, not a bad year to tank either. <laughs> I mean, for Caleb uh, Williams, I'm just saying, man. Although, I don't yeah. know, maybe we'll listen to Colin Coward and trade TJ Watt three first and George Pickens yep. for the number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. He probably got a few more people on board with that idea after that game on Sunday. But uh, he probably did. I So Tomlin spoke today about that after saying that there was go hell yeah, there's going to be changes following that game. Um, talk today, Tomlin Tuesday, of course. We learned that those changes were they're going to practice in pads on Wednesday, which they haven't done since prior. Or they did they did week one to week two because they had the extra day because of not played on Monday until Monday Night football week two. They did it before the opener against San Fran. They haven't done it. They've had shorter weeks. Obviously, they played on primetime week two, week three. So they didn't do it heading into that Texans game. And he felt like that was a large component as to why that game looked the way it did. Lack of physicality. I mentioned. um you know, I didn't think they tackled well. They definitely did get beat at the point of attack. I felt like there's no reason they should have lost in the trenches the way that they did. So I can't disagree with them being far uh, inferior in terms of physicalness. Uh, I don't know that that's the answer that people were expecting or looking for in terms of what changes were going to take place. Between that and I will say he he also said that there's going to be some personnel changes. We did see the depth chart change a little bit. I think it's fair to expect based off what he said that we see a little bit more Joey Porter Jr. going forward. Keanu Benton, which is a he's been awesome. Um, I don't know if people are paying attention to it enough. I mean, he's a defensive lineman and that they're not playing well overall. So I don't think that's really, you know, I think he's kind of flying under the radar. And now Desmond King is listed. It's as it's listed as Shannon Sullivan or Desmond King as the starting slot corner. So I think there are some, you know, tangible changes we are going to see take place personnel-wise. I would also be willing to bet Braden Fahoko gets a helmet against the Ravens. That just makes sense. That's a team that makes sense to do. Um, but I don't think the people were like when they heard, "Oh, there's going to be changes." In their mind, they were expecting to hear that it means they're going to practice in pads on Wednesday. I don't think that's what they were looking for. Yeah, and and I just I I gotta. I just got to say that if you thought that Tomlin was going to come out on Tuesday <laughs> and say that Matt Canada is fired, uh, you yeah. clearly have not been. Paying we got some. We got some land to say too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have not not been paying attention to how they do things. There is no chance of that happening. I didn't get my hopes up in the slightest whenever he said that there were going to be changes. I was more curious than anything on Sunday when he did say that. What was he talking about? Because I knew that it wasn't going to be that. So, yeah. and clearly all the changes that we saw specifically to the depth chart, also none of them have to do with offense. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's even, right. that's even more of a, a kind of like a spit in the face of everybody that was expecting something to offensively change. Nope. It's all defensive and we're wearing pads. Mm-hmm. There is no offensive changes. Yeah. You're going to have to see changes like Broderick Jones going to be starting for uh, Jerry Dulac makes it seem like it's going to be like, a good bit of time that Dan Moore Jr. is out. I, it hasn't been put out there yet, but Broderick Jones is going to be the left tackle, at least for this week, going into the bye. Uh, and Pat Fryermuth is going to miss multiple weeks as well. They said he's doubtful to play. I mean, it's kind of already out there. He's going to miss two to three weeks, so I'm not sure what they're doing with that, why they just haven't rolled him out already. Um, so that's kind of worrisome, too, in terms of how the offense is going to look. They're going to have to be able to run the ball on this Ravens team because – 
Broderick Jones, uh, we've talked about it a lot. Don't want to keep harping on the same thing. He's not there in pass pro yet. And I just can't imagine, you know, throwing him to the wolves and saying, all right, Mitch, you're dropping back 40 plus times, but this is your left tackle with a guy that's not ready to handle that. Um, and that, especially if J- James Daniels might not be able to go again for second straight week, Nate Herbig, I thought was fine in the run game. He allowed six pressures and six TB hurries on mm-hmm. Sunday. You can't be dropping back behind this offensive line right now, 40 plus times. So they're going to have to find a way to run the rock. And I'll say Najee Harris was their only player that I thought was good on offense last week. Yep, I thought Boswell and Brad Wing were okay in special teams. I thought those were like the three stars of the game. That's how bad it was of a performance. But Najee to me clearly far and away was their best player on Sunday. He is the yak god. Um, for those of you who are not aware, <laughs> that is yards after contact god. He that that's what he is right now. I mean, he ha- he only had 14 carries um, for 71 yards, but but that is 5.1 yards per carry. And running behind the offensive line that he is, um, it's it's not always clean. And I think we we finally saw more of Najee just kind of hitting the hole, even if it's not necessarily oh, yeah, there. putting his full foot in the dirt and just going. And yeah. and, and, the, and it worked out for him. I, I think that Najee is the least least of all worries uh, uh, offensively. People that were worried about Najee preseason and in the first couple games, should they start Jalen Warren or should they play him more? No, Najee is the least of the worries when it comes to the offense. Um, and I think that I'm was more worried about Jalen Warren than night. Najee, at least as a runner. I think Jalen's looked good as a receiver. He hasn't I think he's a runner. I think he's looked pretty decent in uh pass pro as well as a, as a running oh, back yeah, in the backfield. Yeah, yeah. He's he, he's been asked to pick up a lot of, a lot of linebackers, and I feel like he's done a pretty decent job of that. But yeah, Najee was I, – I, I thought that was a pleasant surprise. Um, there were several plays where he he gets contact and is still fighting for yardage afterwards, which is always awesome to see. Um, but that's that's the problem where – and that actually is one of the keys that I said. Uh, <laughs> they, they did listen to one oh, of my so keys. Oh, we so we went one for six. So, okay. Yeah, so keep running the football, which, I mean, they did. They ran the football 25 times. So yeah, it, even when they it, were losing, they were like, this is the only way we're moving the ball. So, yeah. So continue to do that. I, I think that that, like I said in that video too, like it opens options in the passing game, regardless of the yardage you're getting. But when you do get the yardage, like Najee was getting on Sunday, I think it makes it better for the passing game to open up play action. Um, but yeah, Najee was great. I, I, I think that all of my focus on the offense right now, as far as blame goes for what's been going on, is split, and I don't know the percentages that they're split. I don't know if I can just come up with them, but they're split between what Canada has done over the past several years, not even just this season, but what Kenny has done to start the season and what the offensive line has done. Uh, I, I It's hard for me to really bl- put put a ton of blame on the receivers because the receiver is such a, like a de- dependent position at times on what, what your quarterback is doing. I did think George, and- George should have caught that touchdown. I agree with that. And and I, I I think that yeah. I think at times like there's questionable there's questionable like why didn't you catch that or why are you in that position? Why are you why is your route like that? But at the same time, like it's hard for me to place blame on the receivers a ton because it's such a dependent position. Well, to, again, like that you have to have good quarterback play. Too. You have to have a good offensive line to have good quarterback play. You have to have good coordinator could have to have good wide receiver and quarterback play it's all interconnecting and the only one that's yeah. looked good or at least looked good in this game was Najee Harris yeah although 
Isaac Samalo was good as a run blocker for sure. Um, but yeah, bro, Pat Fryer move soft <laughs> as hell. That dude, yeah, he's not a tight soft. end. He's a receiver. he's not a tight end. He is a wide receiver. He is a wide wide receiver because he is not a tight end. He got bullied across from tackle to tackle. He got yeah. bullied across that and clip. If, I mean, if, if I wasn't if, a Steelers fan, if if, if my if my defensive coordinator from and I know this is this is an offensive player we're talking about, but if my defensive coordinator from high school, Coach McKenna, shout out to him, if he saw that play, which I'm sure he did, he would have been livid at any of us because of his pad level, because of his because of the way that he was approaching the block. He approached it high. The defensive player was lower than him and beat him. He would have said that Pat Frymuth needed to put and we had Rydell helmets. So you, you need to put your Rydell under their chin strap. And that's what that's what Pat Fryermuth needed to do. His, his he he stood up more than he needed to on the block, and he got bullied across the offensive line. And yeah, it's and then that's why I found it funny when, when and I I know like having more tight ends in there uh, changes the play call uh, play calling. Like if you have just the more bodies, yeah. But like but like it, Pat Fryermuth does nothing in run blocking and 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 i feel like you're probably you're better off just putting darnell washington out there if you're running the football or going back and signing zach gentry and bringing him back or something like that because i feel like you you are that yeah you're you're better off not having pat out there if you were going to be running the football because he stinks at blocking yeah absolutely um that's it. Oh, we got to give predictions, I guess, for this one. Uh, on the year, I am three and one in predictions. Uh, this is my first loss. I really thought they would uh, handle the Texans and we'd be able to have a nice, relaxing Sunday. That obviously didn't happen. Um, I do I, this. They're going to play well on Sunday. I have a weird feeling that they're going to play well on Sunday. But uh, this Ravens team, I think, with the state of the Cincinnati Bengals offense, I think the Ravens are the best team in the division. Um, just as a recipe man for for a loss here i'm gonna say i do think like i said the steelers keep it closer than people might think with everything playing into this i'm gonna say it's gonna be a bit of a weird story i think i'm gonna say 26 21 ravens See, I said it was going to be a weird story last week. I called it an absolute stinker of a score. I think yeah, I, 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 yep. I predicted like 25 to 16 or something like that. <laughs> um, also, I'm two and two on the season. Um, so one game behind you. But I'm going to predict a Ravens win as well. Um, I'm going to keep it close. And mine's going to be more of a vanilla score. But I'm going to say Ravens win 20 to 17. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm asking the offense to crack 20 points without now Deontay and Pat. We mentioned having part of me in my head was also thinking of saying, you know what? I will. The defense is going to have a touchdown. So the offense is only going to score seven points Mm. unless you want to count the field goal. But, you know, that's technically special teams. (sighs) Yeah. Going into the bye, too. That'd be a a long time to think about that (laughs) offense. Long time to think about that offense, but you know that gives everybody something to talk about where they can they should replace Canada during the bye week, and you and I are going to know it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not. Gonna we'll happen. sleep. We'll sleep peacefully 
at least about that, knowing that it will not happen. We won't sleep peacefully knowing what the output of the offense is going to be under Matt Canada, but we will yeah. sleep peacefully knowing that he's not going anywhere and everybody else thinks he might. Uh, everybody drop your comments, uh, predictions, score predictions for this game in the comments. Let us know what you guys think. If you were on board, unfortunately, Tyler and I, listen, we try to, to keep it even keel, not be biased. Uh, so we both got the Ravens winning this game on Sunday would both love to be wrong. I don't think that the Steelers are going to get blown out. So I just don't think that that happens at home in the division. Um, so, you know, at least from that perspective, I don't think that you'll see another game like Sunday. Hopefully it's more entertaining. Hopefully we're both wrong. Uh, like, subscribe, hit that notification bell, hit us in the comments, like I said, with score predictions or anything that we talked about. Let us let us know your thoughts. I, I feel like at this point we should probably get a temperature check. Like even if he's whether he's out there or not, let us know where you're at with Kenny Pickett at this point. Um, excited to see where people are at with that uh process. Um, if you're listening somewhere else, there's a five-star review. Check out the description where we have the links to year six. Man, wow. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Uh, the first five years of rocking around the 412, we raised $25,000 uh, this year, just like last year. And going forward, we're going to be partnering up with the East Rochester Salvation Army to adopt kids off their angel tree uh, in the name of our late friend Dalton Keene. But the mission every single year, give as many kids as possible in our area the Christmas that they deserve and that Tyler and I had growing up, never had to worry about where it's coming from. So, you know, electro- we. I don't know. I wonder, I wish I could get a counter on how many Nintendo Switches we bought through the five plus years of doing this now i would venture to guess it's over 10 but well there was uh, that one there one walmart trip where i believe we bought like three or four and we said mm-hmm. oh we have enough money let's go buy this other family a <laughs> switch so we went back and bought another one uh yeah. so that yeah, was the we, same we year quite a few there was some- that was the same year there's some random guy that like learned what we were doing just while at walmart just handed me a hundred dollar bill mm-hmm. yeah i miss People shopping Miss shopping in person. I have to get back to doing that a little bit. Thanks, Bezos. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks, Bezos. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so check that out. Check out everything custom designs. Our friend Haley Wagner doing custom work. Uh, it is October. Halloween right around the corner. You can get a customized trick-or-treat bag, get custom shirts, customized aprons with, you know, Thanksgiving next month. Cooking one of those custom aprons. Um, uh, she probably does some different stuff. One thing I can tell you, she doesn't do is hats. Um, but I'm not sure what all she can do besides the things I mentioned. Sure, she can do a hoodie. Know. She can do a sweatshirt, long sleeve, t-shirt. Yeah. Oh, I wonder about like sweatpants and stuff. There you Definitely go. not a hat, but yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, check that out. Uh, hit her up. Hey, Tyler's mom got some shirts from her, so she did. Yeah. Don't know how if she liked them or not, but she got shirts from her. Sure, I'll she have did. To find I, out. I wear them sometimes on here. Oh, wait. Look at this shirt I'm wearing, by the way. Shout out to the High Smiths. Smitty, the Smitty Spin. Yeah, I mean, it's perfect for me, obviously. But um, yeah, Alex High Smith, his parents uh, running all his, his stuff for him. Uh, I got a couple of Alex High Smith shirts actually now. So shout out to them. Um, but yeah. Go check that out as well. I'll, maybe I'll throw the link for that in the description. I'm not going to do that every time, but since I mentioned on this show, I'll probably throw the link in for this as well. Six shirt. Um, but yeah, like, subscribe, notification bell, score predictions, how Kenny Pickett, where you're at with him, all that good stuff. Five-star review for listening somewhere else. Uh, and I was also supposed to mention one more thing. Um, oh, from now on, Ross wants everybody to start calling him Tugboat, so we're rolling with that nickname. Until next time, for Tyler, for Smitty, this has been Around the 412, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.